Welcome, everybody, to podcast episode 382. And this week, we talk about how a mobile RV tech can save you from being sidelined on the road. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike, and this is Jennifer, my lifelong traveling companion and my bride. Hello, my dear. Hello, Michael. Well, last week we came to you uh, from uh, Okaloosa Island, Florida, and we're still there. But last week we intentionally went out on the beautiful sunny beach, blue skies, blue water. Well, today we're giving you the reality. We want to be completely honest and show you what it's like there. It's gray. It's not that cold, but the dampness, the humidity is freezing. It's, it's uh, about uh, 53 degrees, it's I think. Freezing. Now the average temperature this time of year is what, 65, what, 65 isn't it? 65 degrees, yeah. A little colder than normal. So uh, it's been it's been like everywhere else in much of the country where it gets nice and warm or normal, and then it just plunges down to way below normal temperatures for two or three days. Then it comes back up again, usually with rain or snow if you're up north. It's been a a really screwy climate everywhere uh, this winter. So, just want to let you know that it isn't all sunshine and, <laughs> and uh, nice, uh, uh, beautiful beaches. Uh, it's so great you can hardly tell the sky from the water out there. Um, we hit the road this week. On our way to Tennessee. Gonna go uh, hang out at our property uh, at the Woodlands at Buffalo River, where we have five acres and we're developing. Uh, well, which will eventually be three little RV uh, campsites uh, for ourselves and friends uh, to use from time to time. Uh, we're putting in full utilities, and we have been struggling there with uh, with weather as well, trying to, trying to get it all done. Rain? Well, they had an ice storm oh, the other day. That's true. They don't normally get snow. And, and they had ice storm and snow. So, uh, But we will be there uh, this week, and on uh, February 12th, Saturday, February 12th, Jennifer's birthday. We'll be on the property and that happens to be the day that the woodlands at Buffalo River are are having a one-day sale where people are coming in and looking at property and uh, since we're going to be there we said if anybody asks where we are just give them directions and we invite folks to come out and see our property. We're only going to be there till about three. Three? Yeah about three. Yeah because we have to go to Nashville. So one thing about this this property it's only an hour and a half from Nashville uh, it's, in fact, they call that area uh, Nashville's Big Backyard, mm -hmm. and uh, our son and his family live there, and we're going to go celebrate Jen's birthday there on Saturday night. So during the day, we'd love to meet you out on the property. So that's the plan, and uh, and then I think after that, we're going to go back to Michigan for a couple of weeks. we got some, some things to do there, but then we're turning around, and by early March, we'll be right back here. So Right back in the south. So uh, less than uh, just a couple weeks, we'll be gone, and we're coming right back uh, down to Florida. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, our interview of the week. So stay with us. Have you ever thought of owning your own land for camping or a homestead? Tennessee Lands and Lakes is selling off a 1,500-acre estate known as the Woodlands at Buffalo River in large acreage properties from 5 to 126-acre homesteads. Unlike most properties, these are virtually unrestricted, allowing year-round living in an incredible natural setting. These are multi-use properties. You can camp on them, build a dream house if you want 
a cabin, a barn, a garage. It's your land and there's no HOA, no rules. It's your property, your way. There's high-speed fiber optic internet available, wooded trails, and big views. Surrounded by the most popular destination spots in Tennessee like Nashville, Kentucky Lake, and the Buffalo River. The pricing starts at $69.9. There's even great financing. Jennifer and I like it so much that we bought there. Take a video tour and get the details at myrvland.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just on a shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back to the interview of the week, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's like, what do you do when you have a breakdown when you're on the road? And maybe you've called a, a camping repair place nearby, a sales place, and they can't get you in for weeks. Well, what do you do? And that is a, a problem that's happened to us. And uh, the solution, we've talked about this before, but we haven't gone into it the depth that we're going to today. The solution is a mobile RV tech. Now, uh, as we get into this interview, we should uh, talk a little bit about what a mobile RV tech is. Uh, they are just that. They are a trained, um, hopefully, when you find one, certified RV technician that's familiar with all the basic parts and structures of your RV. They can fix well, with just a few exceptions, just about everything. One of the best places for RV techs to get trained is something called the RVTI, the uh, RV Technical Institute in Elkhart, Indiana. We visited there two or three years ago when they first were started and they were announcing this program to train a lot of new techs. Well, that is well underway, a really advanced curriculum. We're gonna talk to the executive director of the RVTI and we are gonna talk to a mobile tech who uh, is uh, going to tell us what it's like uh, being a mobile tech. This may be a job that some of you may want because you can get trained and heaven knows there's a lot of work out there. But also, and more importantly, for all of you, if we break down on the road, uh, you don't have to worry about being stranded waiting for an RV dealer to take you in. When there's a mobile tech, it will come right to where you are and more times than not, fix the problem. So let's get to the interview of the week. Well, Kurt and Charlie, join us now, and we are delighted to have you guys with us. Uh, let me start, Kurt, with you. The last time I visited uh, you guys down there in Elkhart, there was some concern about how long it was taking at many dealerships to get service because there weren't enough techs. Now, that's been a couple of years. Give us a quick update on where you have gone since then. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, Mike. And, um, yeah, uh, I'd love to say that we, we fixed it all, uh, but that would not be the case because we had this thing called a pandemic that took a, took a problem, made it, ex you know, accelerated it quite a bit. Um, I will say this though. Um, you know, as far as RVTI 
is uh, you know, we're going into year three and we have created the program. We have delivery models. Uh, what I mean by that is it's online, it's in person or a hybrid of. So we have all the devices ready to go to, to do the training across the country. Um, the problem with the, the need for techs is still there. Uh, the pandemic, obviously, uh, with you know, over 600,000 units being sold, and that's just, you know, this past year and, and those things going on, it, the need is still there. Um, some things, though, have definitely improved. Um, obviously, the interest is very high in the training. Um, there has been steps made and parts availability. The industry as a whole has really come together. And when I say the industry, the manufacturers, suppliers, the dealers, the mobile techs, I mean, the, the campgrounds, uh, we're meeting regularly to obviously continue to address uh, the need for technicians and to improve the consumer experience so they're not waiting quite as long for the coach. Well, one of the most I encouraging things that I have seen has mm -hmm. been the development and the uh, uh, and we're starting to see this across the country of mobile techs. And Charlie, that's where, where you come in. Uh, before I get to, to Charlie and what, what it's like being a mobile tech, uh, Kurt, uh, what's involved in, in getting trained uh, as a mobile tech? Uh, it seems like this is a pretty good way a lot of people could supplement their income who might be interested as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as we go into 2022, uh, this is the year of recruitment for RBTI. Uh, we have uh, subsidized funding from within the industry where we have actually moved some money from the Go Our, Go Our Being side of the house uh, because uh, the, to, to address this need. Um, and as a result of that, uh, for example, right now we have a class going on here in Elkhart and 80% uh, of the class is mobile techs. Uh, they're not affiliated directly with any dealership. Um, the curriculum is created to meet the need of mobile techs as well as uh, dealer techs, uh, as well as you know independents or if you have a desire to become an inspector. I mean, our curriculum built off of the standards of the industry uh, to address all of the, the needs. Um, and keeping in mind that, Mike, the whole purpose of RVTI was to create a national standardized program to professionalize uh, an industry that just hasn't uh, been in that professional state before. Well, we, we applaud all of your efforts. Uh, I was so impressed when I was down there two years ago, and we'll be down in a couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll give you a Please. buzz. I'd like to see it again. Now, Please. Charlie, tell yes. us what uh, a mobile tech does, how you became one, and uh, what's, uh, what's involved uh, in your day-to-day -day life as a mobile tech. Well, uh, if you'd asked me in my 20s when I was working on in the marine industry, working on boats, uh, if I'd be working on RVs one day, I, I wouldn't have believed you, but it's been one of the most rewarding things that I've, I've been able to do. Um, so I come from a mechanical background. I've worked in aviation, uh, the marine industry, uh, manufacturing. Uh, and then about three years ago, my wife and I up and sold everything and decided we were going to do this full-time lifestyle. Well, I always had a good set of tools that I carried with me, and uh, I found myself uh, was I was helping a lot of my friends on the road with a lot of rallies, a lot of people that, you know, got word that I could fix something. And so I started to spend a lot of time doing that, working on my own rig. And then I realized out there, you know, there there's so much demand for somebody just to show up. There was not dependability in the industry for mobile techs then. Um, I think it's grown quite a bit now, and I think there's a lot more, there are a lot more channels now to be able to to become a mobile tech if it's something you want to do. 
Um, and that's where like RV, you know, RVTI came in for me was I kind of, I, I knew how to work on things. I knew how to fix things. I needed some, some training, some, some, um, formal training on, on things that maybe I've missed on my own working on it. So, uh, once I went to RVTI, did my one and two level certifications, I was able to feel confident enough going out there and, and, um, expanding what I'd already worked on and what I was working on, uh, and, and start now growing my business. Uh, to, to support myself and my family on the road. So, uh, Kurt, how do people find a mobile tech? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think so many people. I get email all the time. I, you know, I have something break, and I I called a dealer in the area I met. They told me that they can see me in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where a mobile tech is a lifesaver, literally, uh, for your RV. But how, how do people find one? Yeah, you, you know. Um, there's obviously a, a multitude of ways of doing it. Um, I will tell you a, a few of the most popular is simply, uh, it would be nice if, if your rig would break down when it's sitting in storage or in your parking or in your driveway. But for the most part, it happens uh, when you're out trying to enjoy and, and have a, a good uh, experience. So as a result of that, campgrounds. Um, campgrounds are, are loaded with mobile techs who are there, they make themselves known. Um, some you know, stay for periods of time. Uh, in fact, I just was part of a uh, campground forum uh, that RVIA put on as we, as we start to look at the campground and their desire to professionalize and have mobile techs available uh, as a uh, service uh, to folks. So, you know, that's one way, Mike. Uh, the other is, uh, you know, a lot of the social media uh, outlets have, have mobile techs attached to them. If you're in the RV, uh, you have Togo out there. But, um, you know, as Charlie uh, identified there, it is definitely becoming much more or coming much easier. And, of course, you can always call RBTI uh, if you need some help with that. But um, they're out there. And, you know, we are, are doing our best uh, for, like Charlie mentioned, is to, to professionalize it. So when you are out there, you can show your certification, similar to the auto world uh, where you have ASE certification. Uh, it's, this is really the model that we're, we have created is a national um, recognized uh, certification that uh, mobile techs can achieve so that they can go out and, and um, market themselves. Charlie, as a mobile tech, what, what can you do and what can't you do? Uh, well, <laughs> we don't know what we don't know until we get there, right? Um, so <laughs> I, I guess I'll answer that with what I can do. And one of the things that I use a lot is that uh, make yourself resourceful. Um, one one thing, just to answer that last question you asked, uh, Curtis, was how do you find a mobile tech? And one, one thing that uh, I think a mobile tech has a lot of roles to fill, not just a, as a mechanic or someone who can repair something, or as training, it, you're, you're a consultant. Um, I happen to live full-time in my RV and travel, so I know how important it is to not be able to, to not have to have my rig taken into a shop and me be in a hotel for $1,000 that week. So, um, yeah, I, I think acting as a consultant, having your customer's best interest in mind, you know, getting out in RV parks and networking, you know, when you pull in. Yeah, I, I, I think my, my question is more consumer-oriented. Uh, I'm an RVer. I've got my air conditioner is not working and I'm in Texas and it's 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Is that something I would call a, a mobile tech for? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, some, you would call a mobile tech there. There's going to be some heavy line stuff. Um, and depending on insurance carriers and who that tech carries, um, you may or may not be able to get your uh, drive train brakes, bearings, stuff like that worked on. So 
there are specialists in that area, but there are some jobs that uh, insurance companies like to have done in a proper shop uh, with, with heavy okay. equipment, things like that. Yeah, what, we have, what we have found, Mike, is you know, from a mobile tech standpoint, obviously they're limited for, for heavy heavy fixes, uh, as, as Charlie points out. You're not going to um, pull an engine out of a no, motorhome. No. Right, right. I think we but get they, for the most part, for the most part, they can get you back uh, going. They can get you back going. They can get you comfortable. Um, and I mean by that, whether it be air conditioning, whether it be heating, whether it be an awning repair, a slide out push back in or something, you know, Charlie mentioned the greatest thing they can give you is just ex experience and knowledge and, and direction. And so, um, it, it, you know, I started in the industry three years ago. I was brought in to build this school. Um, and I will tell you, the industry has never been more aligned and focused uh, on the mobile tech. Uh, when I got here, quite honestly, there, there, there was, I would say there was interest, there was discussion, but not the alignment. Today, it is critical that uh, these mobile techs are trained and and we have a class going on right now and 80 percent of them are mobile techs as i mentioned earlier um, and that's that's really become the norm and, and so to which curtis's, oh, sorry go ahead uh, to go curtis's ahead. point um the class that I, I did my level one certification online my level two in in-house stayed a month in elkhart um 100 of my class were all mobile techs or inspectors yeah. it was it was a really, really interesting thing because there is a little bit of a different mindset than a, a dealership sending you out to get certified. Um, there was a lot more, I would say, uh, experience that you have to find out on your own, you know, being out there in, in the field alone. So it was it was nice to have that, uh, to see that changing. And I think, the like you said, the industry, you know, I, I get contacted by manufacturers and things like that, and that's one of their big pushes now is the mobile tech world. Yeah. Give, us, give us an idea of a typical day. Uh, Charlie, what what kind of things might you be called to fix? Um, I'll talk about my yesterday. Uh, yesterday, uh, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of plumbing repairs uh, for pretty new RVs coming out with improper clamping, uh, in, improper um, uh, methods of, of attaching plumbing, things like that. So uh, a couple of RVs this week, actually, I've had to rerun some plumbing underneath like uh, you know, faucets and, and different water fixtures, mm -hmm. things like that. So, and then being here where I'm at too, we, uh, you know, if someone's not knocking at your door at 7 a.m., it's 9 p.m. And uh, if you're in a cold climate, um, you know, in Florida, I don't see many furnace repairs. When I get to places like this, it's it's going to be a lot of furnaces, plumbing, um, some AC stuff. But uh, you're in Albuquerque, New Albuquerque, Mexico, right? Albuquerque, now. New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so. And, uh, but it, it really is regional as far as what you face every day. But it's it's pretty much the same. Someone's like, hey, we need help. It's our vacation or I live in my RV. I can't take it in. Can you help me? And so hmm. that's that's where I come in. And if I can add to that, Mike, you know, Charlie brings up a good point. You know, the manufacturers make full use of, of mobile techs and even more so some of them are even training their own mobile techs within mm -hmm. the organization. Uh, suppliers have already have learned out a while ago uh, to use mobile techs for a lot of repairs. And even some of the dealerships that would have been maybe concerned before about mobile techs taking business or, or what have you are, have realized that we can't, uh, you know, continue that type of behavior. And so uh, that's what I mean when I say the industry has never been more aligned, more focused and, and more um, dedicated to uh, improving that consumer experience. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Charlie, uh, plumbing things. What other kind of typical things uh, would a consumer call a mobile tech for? 
Um, I mentioned air conditioning, and you nodded on that. So I think Curtis did a great job. You know, comfort items, right? Like water heater, hot water, air conditioner, Mm -hmm. keep yourself cool, awning stuff. That those tend to be left out in the wind. Um, You know, there's. I was surprised with how much how much work people still wanted to do on on the road. Like even um, reconfiguring sometimes inside of their their uh, RV. I I enjoy a lot upgrades. So I love. I love upgrading, installing uh, cell boost systems, things like that, making making the RV better than it was when they were, you know, when it sat before I got there. So um, there's there's and what's the what's been the average uh, response time for somebody who calls? Is it usually the same day, or is it is it triage like a hospital? You know, according to how serious your <laughs> yeah, your load it, is. It, 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 it depends on the severity, right? Uh, if I've got a water leak pouring out an RV, and I've got a guy who you know, once a cell booster installed, uh, I'll, I'll definitely triage my week and day and make sure that I'm getting to the uh, most um, uh, the most important first. Uh, but but pretty much I run about a week schedule, um, sometimes two weeks out if I'm staying in a place longer and I've had time to talk with staff and, and uh, introduce myself to neighbors and other RVers in the area. Overhead, you had to have you have a truck, which uh, which I have to pull my that, RV. You know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, one one couple of pictures I wanted to send uh, to Kelly uh, were some of how my tools are set up, and it's not a traditional work truck with a big work bed on it. I we travel full time, so I have to use. Um, I've got a plumbing um, container. I've got a electric container. I've got my tools that are all the hand tools that I carry with me, and everything is in a compact form. And because I've worked in the industry so long. The only overhead that I run into is really um, going to be uh, purchasing new tools that I may not have, which is it, it doesn't happen often anymore. Um, and then travel uh, part, uh, you know, acquiring parts. Um, but that's uh, I, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a low overhead because I didn't need a lot to start. I suppose it's like everything else. They say a man doesn't never has enough tools, and I would suppose that's doubly yeah. true for a mobile tech. Uh, it occurs to me that some of the folks listening to this are going to say, you know, that's not a bad job. Maybe I ought to think about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is involved? If somebody comes to you, do you have to have that mechanical background or can is yeah. that something you, you help with teach? And how long does it take to become certified as a mobile tech? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, you know, if you think about uh, you know our industry uh, as well as auto, diesel, nurses, uh, you know, we have a we have an aging out population of, of folks, and in and in the uh, RV world, the the, the typical technician uh, has been around for a while. They grew up wrenching. Well, that's a dying dying breed, unfortunately. And so, we have created the program to take somebody that knows absolutely nothing and take them to uh, competency as a as a certified technician. And that's done through, like I said, a standardized curriculum built by the industry. Um, if, you know, you can do it uh, either online or in person or a combination of obviously, you know, one of the greatest things is to, to find out if you have aptitude. If you have aptitude and you have interest, uh, as Charlie pointed out, he knew he had aptitude and his interest was there because he, he pursued it. If you if you have any type of, uh, you know, trades aptitude, and I, you talk about HVAC, uh, electricians, plumbers, uh, you're trying to talk a lot about plumbing. Um those systems are all part of a house, and if you have any experience and you can, you've been a you know fixer in your house, you are ahead of the game and capable of becoming a technician. I and will the share the with amount you. of time. 
amount of time it takes for this? The amount of time to take a uh, level one is a 40 hour class that can be done online or in person. So for, when I say 40 hours, it's typically eight hours a day for 40 hours. The level two gets into uh, troubleshooting and diagnostics and it's much more extensive, but it's a little over 200 hours. Once again, this can be done online, in person, or it can actually be done in what we call a hybrid form where you do a good portion of the online and then you either return to a learning partner or to Elkhart to do a week of, of competency training and then you test at the end. Um, each right, level. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a rough idea of what mm-hmm. uh, a, a busy RV tech could expect to make in an income. You must uh, get that question all the time. Sure, sure I do. Um, you know, it, it is really the luxury of being an RV tech is that um, there are You're people your own that boss. you you yeah. are you are your own boss. Um, you can take it. You, know, you can work for a dealership. You can work as an independent. You can work as an inspector. Um, you do all of those, and you're in complete control. Uh, meaning that if you want to work full time, you can. As Charlie can probably attest, there's probably days where he wakes up and goes, eh, I, "You know, I'm going to have a couple extra cups of coffee, so I'm putting my sign in. I'm not getting to it." But if he puts his sign out, there's a line waiting. Um, you're in complete control. Uh, the salaries, because of that, they range. But a full-time technician, and, and, and Charlie, keep me true on this, you know, can start coming out forty to fifty thousand dollars if you're doing it full time. You know, somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience in a couple of years or in just doing a lot of work, six-figure incomes is not off the table. There's numerous techs that are well over six figures. So. Um, the luxury is you can make it what you want. The salaries are there. Um, it is, as you can imagine, as a mobile tech, a person sitting in Arizona trying to have a great experience with three kids and a dog and their air goes out, it's amazing what somebody will pay as a, as a yeah. married man myself. Uh, so uh, you're in control uh, of that, too. I do, too. Uh, and Charlie, <laughs> uh, you, you are a full-time RVer yourself. And uh, you are kind of experiencing the best of both worlds. You're in, in New Mexico now, and you tell me you're on your way to Florida, and you can work your way across the country, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a little bit of uh, uh-huh. logistics from an accountant, sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's it's uh, yeah. I, I one thing I find is I I thought I'd have to put all this money into a website and uh, you know all these crazy uh, reviews and running businesses online, and uh, I didn't have to do any of that because the work got so came so quick and at times it's overwhelming that I, I just haven't had to do that. And I realized that the biggest part of where I get my business is, like I said, just people knowing you're there, talking to them, um, you know, making sure that they're yep. comfortable and yeah. Well, I want to, uh, first, just, uh, thanks you guys for your time and, mm-hmm. uh, congratulate and Kurt on just a, just how far you guys have come in such a short period of time. And and Thank that's a, a hands heads off to the industry because I know the industry wouldn't happen without their support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to l- give you guys my tip on how to find a mobile tech. And it is it's it's pretty complicated. You might want to take notes. But here it is: you Google mobile tech near me. <laughs> it's worked for me every single time I have needed one. Assuming your GPS and, uh, is on, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, right on your phone. Mobile tech near me, and I have always found one. Uh, I use them. Almost exclusively, and I uh, have nothing. I've been talking about the, uh, this, the benefits of having a mobile tech. Mm-hmm. I've had just incredible stories of people who have. Um, the last last time I really needed one was I was in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, and uh, 
through operator error, I ran over and pulled off a level, uh, a, one of my equalizing jacks. I couldn't drive, had to get all fixed up. A guy drove an hour and a half to come to me on his uh, back in the stones. He couldn't, we couldn't, you know, uh, jack up the unit too far. He fixed that thing for me, and um, it, the overlay financially was just a couple hundred dollars. It would have cost me a fortune in a dealership and probably yeah. several days. Um, I, I think you guys need a little sign that says hero as well. You, know, you too, <laughs> Kurt, because you, you help make it happen with all of them. Uh, one, one thing I've learned um, is working in dealerships in, in the RV industry, but also on my own when you interact with people, is one of the biggest things um, that I do is education. A lot of it is education and giving the you know making sure uh, people know how to use their systems. It helps save them money, preventative maintenance, things like that. And if you can provide that service, they'll always call you, um, you know, yeah. to resolve the things that uh, they can't do on their own. So awesome, Kurt. We'll put links to the uh, RV Technical Institute right uh, in the show notes and in the description and on the video. And I know you guys are going to do so well. I'll be down to visit you. We'll do a follow-up video on what the training is like. And, Charlie, I want to meet you on the road sometime, and uh, we'll Great. have a cup of coffee around a campfire. So Sounds good. thank you guys both for being on the podcast. Thank week. you also, Mike. You have a good Thanks, day. Mike. Thank yeah. you, Curtis. Take care, Charlie. You're welcome. Well, we've used RV techs ourselves many times uh, on the road, and I've, I've even had them come to our house and install <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's to our driveway. To, literally to our driveway. And when you factor in the convenience of having them come to you, whether it's in a campground or at your house, um, and the amount of money that they charge you for a service call and to fix it, it's usually cheaper than you'll get at an RV dealership. I know dealerships are not going to like me saying that, but it's true. So uh, we'll put links to uh, all the stuff we just talked about in the show notes and in the, script, in the description below. We'll take a quick break and we're back with our questions of the week. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborne batteries. Battleborne batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battle-borne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our battle-borne batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. And now it's time for your questions of the week. And I've got the first question from Rita. I know why you gave this one to me. It's written to you. <laughs> Jennifer, I, la I laughed when I heard you say you were a gym rat. Like you, I'm a fitness addict. How do you do your workouts while traveling? We hike and bike when camping, but that's not enough exercise for me. This is very important for me, and honestly, I'd rather give up camping than working out. My husband loves RVing, but there are two of us involved, and I have my exercise needs as much as he has his camping needs. How do you handle it? <laughs> well, I'm sure Mike can say that I get a bit grumpy. <laughs> I, I better be quiet. Yeah, no. 
I have to work out. I worked in a gym for 29 years. I've always been extremely active and riding the bike and hiking. I want my machines. I want my weights. I, can, I When I'm on my treadmill, I, I set it for a 15-minute mile. I, that's what I like. If I'm outside, bow stops every six inches to smell something. You just can't get any kind of a pace going. I gave up running. When I used to run, I used to be able to run anywhere and everywhere, and I have run anywhere and everywhere. Or all around but, the world, actually. Um, yeah. yeah. In dangerous, war-torn countries, <laughs> yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> in <laughs> Africa, around that's a, the hotel that's another, building. That's another story <laughs> yeah. for another time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can't live with me if I don't work out. So, and I know that. Everybody knows that <laughs> in our family. I love working out. It helps me with the endorphins, and it just makes me say, I don't care. I'm so tired when I get done. Anyway, talking too much. So, uh, we have to find a gym every now and then to make me happy. So what is Rita going to do? Well, Rita can stay every now and then at a hotel if they have exercise equipment. That used to get you really upset when we were on the road and if we didn't have exercise equipment, we couldn't stay at a hotel if we needed a hotel for some reason. And you got to find gyms. There's usually a local gym. And even if you're driving through town and you stop, use that gym and then move on. Usually they'll let you use it uh, for a small fee. Right. And what we have done is we've uh, joined a national fitness change. You know, there are several of them out there. And um, if you are if you remember, usually you can use the facilities of another franchise holder anywhere in the country. So we've done that with uh, particularly Anytime Fitness a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're probably like me too. All the eating, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to do all that eating, you know, when everybody gets together and everybody brings all the chips and all that stuff. I don't want to do that. 3,000 meal potluck, 3,000 <laughs> calorie meal potlucks. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. It doesn't, I don't feel good. I don't, I don't like that. So I want to eat right. Sometimes that's hard to eat right when you're on the road too. But um, it's important to me to work out. So you have to you give and take, give and take. Yeah, it is a give and take. Uh, oh well, I tell your husband. I feel his pain. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, Mike and Jennifer, uh, this comes from Tom. Uh, we've heard you use the term day camping before. Can you tell us how that works exactly and whether it would help us with the real problems we are finding in getting open spots at a campground that haven't been spoken for for months ahead of time? Uh, we're in a Class C Wayfarer and because of our jobs, we don't have the luxury of knowing where we can go camping months ahead of time how could day camping help? Um, well, as I have referred to day camping, uh, I mean, you know, taking your RV to a, a really nice park someplace where maybe they don't have overnight camping, but you can stay there all day and use, the, you know, hang out on the beach, hike, picnic, whatever you want, and use your RV as kind of a, you know, as a place to fix your meals or take a nap or um, just take a break, check your email, whatever. Uh, but the way that could help you, and uh, one of the things that we are telling other people, I've had a lot of people say, hey, you know, I got a reservation for three days here, but for these two days I can't find anything where we want to be. What can I do? So what you would do is you'd find places you want to day camp. Maybe it's, you know, even some people I know have stayed at uh, roadside turnoffs along lakes and the oceanfront. And then you come back and you spend the night in a Walmart or a Cracker Barrel or uh, one of the big box stores that lets RVers stay overnight. So you overnight there and um, and then always you know patronize Walmart or wherever whatever business lets you spend the night in their lot 
and then you go day camp for a day for the day someplace else so that way you you don't have to quit your trip and uh, you can use that to sort of supplement um, filling in the blanks when you can't get a place because all the campgrounds are site are, are served so that's what we mean by day camping yeah camping maybe in a Walmart in a really nice area and then you go hang out in the park with your RV during the day and when it comes time for night drive back the you know it's dark anyway what are you gonna do so uh, using day camping and free spots like Walmart uh, or even even like a harvest host if you can find a place like right. that if you can't stay all day mm -hmm. you know use those around but Day camping is a great way to see a whole bunch of country, uh, to enjoy it, uh, and then uh, and use your RV. Uh, you've got all the, you know, just think if that was your campsite, just use it as your base. You can put your chairs out during the day, catch some rays, but then at night you go someplace free. It takes some of the pressure off you, the stress yeah. of where are we going to go, where are we going to go. You just got to roll with it. So between day camping and Walmart parking lots, <laughs> You don't have to come in off the road. Hey, that's the podcast. Hope you guys liked it. Uh, we love getting your questions. Uh, you can email us. Just send in the questions at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. That's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. And we'll be back next week with another one. We hope to see some of you in uh, Tennessee this Saturday on the 12th of February. Uh, we'll be at our place at the Woodlands. And um, come say hi. Thanks, guys, for watching. Happy trails.